Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. In previous discussions, we've talked a little bit about how to inherit a new code base, whether it's you taking on a, a project mm -hmm. from a previous developer or like joining a team and, and kind of get your uh, wits about you in that new code base. And I don't think we talked about this before, but I think it'd be worthy of discussion that, uh, you know, the idea of having a coding standard and some consistency to how code is formatted and organized and, and things like that. So Aaron, you always have thoughts on things. <laughs> what are your thoughts on coding standards and how to approach that, especially in a, in a legacy code base? Well, I don't remember starting out learning the programming, learning the program thinking, boy, I, I want to come up with some standards and doing, th I think I just did things, right? Um, and it's funny that when you start getting involved with other people or teams or whatever, you start to realize that maybe the way you did it isn't the way that everyone does it. Sure. And I think I think that's why you end up having standards uh, that are like defined and, and described and, and uh, here is a way that you could do it. So I think the important reason to have like a coding standard that you adhere to is so that you don't waste time on things that are less important, like trying to convince someone your way of writing this is better or seeing them change stuff and, and things like I can say very much specifically that before I understood the value of code standards, I would try to convince people that my way was better. Uh, <laughs> and there, there's a lot of time lost with something like that. Yeah. And I kind of want to piggyback on that because, you know, maybe the argument against a particular coding standard is like, well, I don't like that. You know, I like my braces here or I like commas here, but personally I've been on projects where the coding standard wasn't my default, like the way I would have written it naturally. I still prefer not having to think about it and not having to argue about it. Like you're talking about on a mm -hmm. team, you know, where, oh man, this file was edited by, you know, this guy who does it this way. And now I come in there and it's just, it's like a constant battle and frustration Whereas once the standard is picked, even if you don't like every aspect of it, it's sort of a decided thing. You don't have to give mental weight to that every day as you're working in the code base. Well, it, it allows you to um, apply your art and your logic to something mm -hmm. that matters, which is solving the business's problems, yeah. not necessarily designing a different way of looking at the code. Now, when I, when I say something that matters, I'm not saying that code style and beauty and things don't matter, but, but they, they, they make no money compared to, you know, if you solve a problem for a business, right. Yeah. Um, and so having a standard and having beautifully written code and things like that, making it easier to read can make it more efficient, but there's, there's a trade-off at some point, you know, how much more efficiency can you gain by making it look even better and even better versus saying that this is just the way that we do it. Yeah. And then that's, that's, that's what we stick to. I also think it's important to understand that code standards help with something else. I'm really, you know, happy about, which is code review too. Okay. So part of a code review process is trying to find in all this code, something that's either, you know, that can be worked on, that can be learned from that maybe is broken. And when you have a code standard and everyone does it the same way, you can start to see patterns 
And then when the pattern is maybe out of whack or, or looks a little different, um, you have a place to kind of focus on for your code review or, or if all statements look this way, then you can actually see the statement content and not be stuck on, is this mm-hmm. that kind of statement? You know, it, it's, if it's formatted this way, if there's always a brace on the next line in for method declarations, but when you see it missing, you know, it's going to be the next line. And that's what a, that tells you it's a method and yeah. you can look at it in that, that fashion. Yeah, I like the idea of patterns because after a while you you, you do stop seeing this the details of the syntax and you can focus more on the structure and the the reason behind writing the code and and what what the important pieces of the code are. So yeah, it might take a little getting used to if it's not your style, but you'll get used to it and then you can focus on the more important things. With regard to code review, I'm envisioning you with a uh, a big chunk of code and you're counting like how many spaces this is indented and you're paying a lot of attention to parentheses and things like that, or, or <laughs> I, I'm leading you here, Aaron, but like how, how could you integrate this into a code review process in a way that's seamless and, and effortless? Well, I think I, I, good question, Joel. I wonder where you came up with <laughs> well, that. Thank one you. Well, thank you. Um, I think I think the leading here is that once you've kind of decided on you know a coding standard, there are tools that you can use to um, measure and or apply that coding standard. Mm-hmm. So there's there's uh, before we talk about the tools, I think there's two important steps to this. Um, it is the measurement of whether you're within the standard, and okay. then uh, possibly using a tool to alter your code so that it is within the standard. Okay. Um, and those are two separate things yeah. um, and, and different tools have their own strengths, the weaknesses on them. But I think it's important to understand the, the part of the code's, you know, standard process as those two are separate. Right. So um, depending on the, also depending on the standard, there might be multiple ways to make the code within standard. So that's something else to keep in mind is, you know, these automated tools, they might just pick one way. But there, there is sometimes wiggle room within even standards of how you might construct something. Or if you don't like the way that the tool is applying the standard, you can change the way you've written your code. Or, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these different things, too. So um, that's why I like to keep those separate is, is there is a difference between seeing it for a standard and, and then applying it. Yeah, the, um, the way I've seen those two jobs referred to is linting. You know, that's sort of like the checking piece of it. And then fixing, which is the actual correction of the code to make it fix fit the standard that you've decided on so let's let's uh let's stop dancing around this what are the tools where do i go to uh, get this set up what's the best tool there's lots of tools what's the one you like and is there one true tool well there are there are two in the php world that i think of uh, a lot of times which is php Mm -hmm. code sniffer and php cs fixer uh and those are uh they kind of um they take a different approach to the, the process as well. That's kind of why I separated out those two things. Yep. So when you look at something like um, PHP CS Fixer, um, CS Fixer, it kind of says it in its name. It's a code standard fixer. It's its default way is to function in such a way that it sees the standard and then fixes it. That's all kind of built into the tool. If you want to measure whether you're within standard without altering the code, you have to add uh, a parameter to the call to make sure it doesn't automatically fix it and just kind of like dry runs it. 
Yeah. Whereas um, PHP Code Sniffer, you know, named very similarly, uh, uh, <laughs> not is, confusing at all. By the yeah, way, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It will sniff the code or lint it, like you said, and then it comes bundled with another tool which will apply the fixes if you run it separately. And, and so everyone can have their own kind of ideas of which tool is better. Um, I, I know that a lot of times uh, Laravel community will use CS Fixer. I think there's a lot of um, good reasons to do that. Like don't get stuck in the process, write your code and have the tool make it into something that fits within your system. I tend to prefer the PHP code sniffer, the one that where the two stages are kind of separate. Mm-hmm. And I think it has something to do with us. Uh, maybe a slightly mistrust with some of the tools, but also I feel like I want to be really responsible and proactive when I make changes to my code. So when I've written my code, I know what it is. When a tool modifies it, I don't necessarily know what that tool's done to my code, but I'm still responsible for it. So I like to keep those those two steps kind of separately. And then I, I can also say in the past, one other side little note here, in the past, I've seen PHP code sniffer been sooner to the party to support things like the newer versions of PHP and things like that. Sure. But right. I, th- I, th- I think they're, they're catching up with each other and they're staying pretty current again. Yeah. I, I knew we were going to be talking about this. So I actually looked at the project pages for both of them and they're both quite active and, and you're yeah. right. There's a little bit of a, I don't know if arms race is the right word, but you know, one will get ooh PHP eight added, you know, named attributes or something. And, and yeah. one might get it before the other one. We've also, found some benefit in actually using both because another thing that I've seen is different between them is they don't offer the exact same types of checks and rules. And so, you know, you might get like 95% of what you want in one of the tools, but the other tool has just those few extra rules that you want to make some, make your code the exact way that you want it for your team. And so you can use them both together uh, other than the confusion of like, I was just looking at a um, source code here there's a .php underscore CS, and then there's phpcs.xml, and then the tool names overlap a lot. And so it can be a little mm. mind-bending at first to get your head around what is doing what, but there is there is value in both. I don't, I don't think we have a clear favorite. I know you, you said you prefer the one for its default operation, but uh, we, we found value in having both of them for sure. Well, I, I, I think I would actually disagree with you a little bit. As <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't see a lot of value in using both of them because I know that both of them can be extended through other packages. Mm -hmm. And so out of the box, I would say you're right that like together, like one does 95% of what I want. The other one does 95, but uh, there are a number of other packages that you can install add additional coding standards that you can just import certain things into them that solve the problem for me. So which I, one had I, the the slevel mat? Is that the that's the code sniffer, that's right? Code sniffer, yeah. 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 That 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 package was able to basically put in all the rest of the things I was missing. Right. Um, and, and so I'm not I'm not definitely saying either one is better or worse or whatever. I mean they they both come a long way too. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I think I would disagree on seeing running both <laughs> in the same project. I think that'd be well, I also think that'd be hard on your IDE if you configured that. How does it know which one to pick and stuff like that? Especially with some IDEs auto configure, so they read your project, understand what's in there, and then it's going to try to run both at the same time. Which one goes first? Your you fans know, I, spin up, and all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's how, maybe the two competing tools is how artificial intelligence finally gains sentience <laughs> and uh, takes over the world. 
Yeah, I know. Well, I I just thought because some of our projects actually have both configured, but in, in terms of like the tooling, you know, the things that we yeah. actually run day in day out. Yeah, you're right. We only we only use one of them. You know, we, we're talking a lot about the PHP tools here. A, a Laravel project probably has some JavaScript in it too. Um, not a thing I'm going to focus on too much, but there, there are tools there as well. Um, something called ESLint, which kind of does that checking, and then you can extend that with something called Prettier, which again kind of works hand in hand. Um, that's a whole other conversation, uh, but <laughs> yeah. there are two, those are two tools that might work together to kind of add this functionality to the JavaScript side of stuff as well. Yeah. Good acknowledgement. Good acknowledgement. Good to keep that in mind. So starting adding this in from day one of a project is going to be a little bit more clean than coming into year seven of a project uh, with, with hundreds or thousands of source code files. So what, what sort of strategies might be recommended if you want to introduce coding standards to your project and you're not quite sure where to start? Well, I, I think you have two sort of ways to do this. One, pick your coding standard, apply it to all your files, and then make one giant commit. And now everything's within standard. That may not be great, but it's, you know, it's everything's within standard. Then you can add to your CI, CD, some sort of tool to say if it's with, if it's out of standard, no longer yeah. continue. Um, the other is to change sort of files as, as you go. So if you touch a file, make sure it's in standard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even so much as just maybe it's just only the method that you touch uh, was within standard. Uh, I, I can say that I've tried each way <laughs> and I've, I've found uh, both to be effective in their own sort of right, depending on the coding standard. And I'll give you a, one of these kind of horror stories. Okay. Um, is I, I implemented a, a um, coding standard, uh, and the one thing I added in there was strict types. Uh, oh boy! And I applied that uh, to every single file I touched. Mm-hmm. But there were sometimes when that stuff wasn't under proper unit test or whatever, yeah. um, and I did not n- notice that some of the light equaling, you know, not not exact equaling, was now changed, or like things would just crash because they were actually then expecting a certain type. Yeah. So that, that was, but I also think that was a little bit beyond a code standard. That was a, that was a change of PHP coding level, I guess. I don't know how you want to say it, that I use a code standard tool to implement. Right. Um, And so I guess that's where I would draw the the line is don't, if, if you're going to apply something to all the entire project, it it can't change the way that your project functions. So like adding in maybe return types, or um, parameter type hints and stuff like that actually does change the way the code right. will compile yeah. and function. So while that's a great thing for a code standard, you can't just change that willy-nilly all over the place. Yeah, my odds are if you have a legacy code base where you're just now introducing some of these things, probably doesn't have the best test suite either, at least in my, <laughs> my uh, experience so yeah th- those things be a little maybe separate those out be a little more conservative with introducing that but um the other thing i thought of too is is uh, maybe if you are going to do the the all-in approach to kind of communicate that with your team members try to find a, a point when there's not a ton of uh pull requests hanging out there they're going to now all of a sudden have a bunch of potentially merge conflicts and things mm-hmm. you have to resolve but if the tool can do it for you automatically and your test suite passes and you're you're not introducing those behavioral changes you talked about like like type hinting or strict types or things like that it's usually pretty safe to do it across the project but your mile, mileage may vary so you know be be uh, aware of that 
the the one thing I, I also want to add, and this is again is is an opinion thing, but personally, I like it when CI will reject something for failing a coding standard, but I really don't like it when it automatically fixes it mm. and adds a commit like upstream in in my GitHub or GitLab or wherever you're using for source code. Like I get why people do it. It's convenient, but I, I really personally find that adds a lot of noise to the process. And I'd rather as a developer, just have it rejected a few times. You remember, oh yeah, I forgot to run this tool. And then, then everybody just does it as part of their routine. Uh, it's sort of like tests failing. Like you get notified about that, but I mean, it's not apples and oranges, but like, it'd be annoying if like Git, GitHub is like, oh, I can fix that for you. I can make this test pass. I'll just comment it out or, you know, something like that. Right. Those sort of automatic things personally, I, I find a little annoying. I'd rather do it on my machine with the tools set up in the project for everybody. Yeah, I think you're right. That adds some some noise, but also as I always come back to, like you are responsible for the code in your branch. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that saying a tool made some changes for you out of your control is, is not something uh, I'm comfortable with. It, you could argue, well, it does it locally. Well, I can review the, the commit yeah. Um, before I push it and see all of its changes, I don't necessarily like some tool altering my code once it's out of my hands. Right. Um, and, and then, of course, you could always um, set up, you know, Git hooks and stuff like that to 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 run this stuff before commit. Make sure it's within. I, mean, I guess I should be real clear in there. Set up a Git hook before commit to run the standard checker, not to fix the issues. Because then <laughs> right. again, like you're, yeah. it's going to commit something that you didn't look at. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's funny is uh, sometimes you have to take medication after surgeries or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always say, you know, don't, uh, don't take this and operate heavy machinery. Okay. No forklifts. Yeah. And I know that means probably like don't drive a car, okay. but I really, if it feels like, yeah, I shouldn't be driving a forklift <laughs> or like a bulldozer. These are all nope. things I can't do anyway. Mm-hmm. But like now the pill tells me like, don't, don't do this. I just think that's like, it's a, like, when are we going to say things how they are? Like, Hey, this messes you up. So don't do anything that requires motor skills. <laughs> but, but I guess then if I, if they said that, I'd be like, well, I'm not fixing engines, so I don't need any motor skills. Oh boy. You're going to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they should probably also include in there, uh, not just heavy machinery, but also like don't sign any legal contracts or make any life-changing decisions while you're <laughs> On this medication. Yeah. Don't, don't text your ex. I mean, okay. just, just don't do that. Stay away from your Amazon wish list. Oh boy. And converting yeah. that into purchases. <laughs> yep. You know, there's a bunch of stuff I suppose you, you shouldn't do on these medications. In previous podcasts, we've talked about our tips newsletter and a uh, tip a week is fine, but wouldn't you rather just get them all at once? Well, boy, do we have something for you. We've uh, collected our tips into a free ebook, which you can download. It's available at nocompromises.io slash tips. 